Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Today we'll continue the story of genetic testing of embryos. It remains very controversial and that controversy relates to its cost, its risks and its accuracy. I have to say that probably five years ago I predicted that every embryo that we produced would be genetically tested because I thought it would be an accurate way of improving the chances of picking the embryo that was most likely to give you a pregnancy as soon as possible. It was based on early American data using what was then the latest technology, which has even moved on further in the last five years, where they were getting astounding pregnancy rates, as much as 70% per cycle per transfer, which nobody, I have to say, ever since has replicated. So one always cast doubt on the way in which the data was presented and the types of patients that were being chosen and the accuracy of the process itself. They were also putting back two embryos. There is no doubt, however, that the commonest reason for an IVF cycle not working is that the embryo did not have the right number of chromosomes and that by selecting out those abnormal embryos, we should improve success rates. And I think the world research has confirmed that, but the jump is not as high as previously reported. In our own clinic, if we add in genetic testing, we get pregnancy rates of 55 to 60% per embryo transfer, which is a lot better than 40%. So it seems that we can do better by selecting the embryos on the basis of their genetics. But it's not the whole story by any means. So why has it not been widely used in some countries? In America, there are clinics in which 95% of patients are having genetic testing. My concern that may in part be driven by the financials that go along with genetic testing. But the truth is, genetic testing of embryos doesn't improve the success of a cycle. If we collect eggs and create embryos, and they're good embryos, even if only half of them are normal, we will get to those eventually, whether or not we test them or not. So it doesn't improve success rates from the time you do your egg collection, but what it does do is bring forward the chances of pregnancy because we're using normal embryos sooner. The controversy, however, which has come to light in the last couple of years, and there are um, strong advocates against genetic testing because of it, is that the accuracy is being questioned. When we do an embryo biopsy at day five, when there's about 100 to 300 cells in the embryo, we're sampling the cells on the outside of, of the embryo. 
They're the cells that will form in the placenta. And on the basis of six to 10 cells, we're making a judgment about the whole embryo. And what people have shown is that that doesn't necessarily represent what's going on inside, i.e. the baby itself. And therefore, there is a strong association between the two, i.e. that they'll both have the same cell line. But there is a group of babies that have been born despite a genetic testing test saying that the external cells were abnormal. So the question is whether we might be throwing away some embryos that we're calling abnormal that were actually normal. Reassuringly, however, is that babies born after genetic testing and shown to be normal based upon those external cells have not produced abnormal babies. So the concordance with a positive good result is very, very, very high. But people still saying it's not 100% accurate and they are probably correct. The other issue around the, the genetic testing is when we do a biopsy, we are doing physical damage to the embryo and perhaps we are losing some embryos. In our clinic, it's probably running in the order of 2% of embryos that we biopsy we lose that might have been normal pregnancies. In part, that's because of the freezing and thawing, but also the actual physical damage done when we laser the external coat of the egg, of the embryo, and extract the cells. The third issue that has come up is the discovery as we do more high-powered genetic testing, which we're now able to do in much, much less time, is situations where we get two cell lines, a normal line and an abnormal line, where there's genetic imbalance of chromosomes, either one extra or one less or a part missing. And when we get that result, and in most laboratories, the abnormal cell line has to constitute less than 20% of the total, they are called mosaic embryos because they're a mixture of two cell lines. The question with a mosaic is, is the abnormal cell line representative of the baby or is it just an aberration of the placental cells? Initially, we were very reluctant to put those embryos back inside the womb. But today, we are much more confident because now there are hundreds of babies that have been born normally without any long-term apparent effects as a result of being a mosaic embryo. That started out in a situation where a patient had used up all her normal embryos or didn't have any normal embryos and mosaics were all available. They were put back knowing that we were going to screen for genetic problems in early pregnancy. And lo and behold, there's never been an abnormal baby born after the transfer of a mosaic embryo that we know of. Why would that be so? Firstly, there is only about three chromosome abnormalities that will actually go past 12 weeks. The trisomies, another an extra chromosome in 13, 18 and 21, 21 being the common one, the Down syndrome. So we would not put back a Down syndrome mosaic nor one with 18 or 13 because we know that if any of the other chromosome abnormalities are the main cell line of that embryo, nature will deal with them. A miscarriage will occur. And what we know now is that the miscarriage rate in patients who've had a mosaic embryo put back and got pregnant is identical to the rest of the population. 
So nature is dealing with the problems. But it's a complicated story and if you do have a mosaic embryo, you need to have a long conversation with a doctor looking after you to understand the implications of it and the potential risks. But at the moment, I'm very positive about it. Cost. Cost is always a problem and with any new technology that is expensive, although each year the cost of genetic testing of embryos is dropping quite dramatically as automation has come into play and competitors are in the market. So it is getting cheaper, but it's still a burden that you might have to carry. In Australia, we are only testing something in the order of 15% of patients. And that is primarily because we have been conservative compared with the US in terms of giving a treatment that is not fully indicated. It's certainly not indicated in my view for everybody. I personally only recommend genetic testing of embryos if you've got four or more embryos to put back and on a financial basis there is this balance between the cost of a frozen embryo transfer cycle and the cost of testing. And if you're somebody say at the age of 40 with four embryos, the odds are that three of those four embryos will be genetically abnormal and therefore why bother having four cycles to find that one embryo. You may work that out very quickly with genetic testing and put back the good embryo first when the other three would have had no chance of success. So that's my thoughts on genetic testing. We do offer it and most good clinics do offer genetic testing but it's for selected patients in selected situations. The other areas that I think it's probably worthwhile is where you do have a history of miscarriages because the main reason for that is going to be genetics and therefore knowing you're putting back a normal embryo may be helpful. The other areas are in older patients with more than three embryos where the odds of a normal embryo are quite low. It's interesting from the data to date, in fact, that at the age of 30, if you produce an embryo, it's got about a 40% chance of being genetically abnormal. By 35, it's ri- that percentage has written, risen to nearly 60%. By 40, it's 75 to 80% of embryos will be genetically abnormal, despite them looking wonderful in terms of their structure. And by 45, less than 1% of embryos will be genetically normal. So where you've got a number of embryos and you're older, I think it's worthwhile doing genetic testing. Younger ages, I'm not so sure. So a bit more about genetic testing because the future is changing. There are less invasive methods being developed, which I think allow us to move forward to test most embryos without much cost and without damage to the embryos. But let's wait and see. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him 
michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.